Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Hey guys, Sam here. Before we get to today's episode, I know that we love these conversations with reps across the board because there's so much information we can glean from talking to all of them. And we learn every single episode that they all have their own specific styles about submissions and new clients and how they interact. And we have so much to learn. It's some of your guys' most consumed content. So on that topic, I wanted to bring in a very, very well-known popular podcast guest expert, and he has some goodies packed in just for you guys. So before we get to Jamie's episode, Brian Pataka, do you want to tell people what we have in store? For sure. Thank you so much. What a great introduction. So y'all, um, Sam invited me to come and teach an exclusive webinar just to you for her audience. It's called Make Agents Want You. You can enroll at makeagentswantyou.com backslash Sam, because that's her very special link. It's on April 13th at 2 p.m. And we're going to spend an hour together where I'm going to teach you the framework that 542 actors have used to find representation that has worked in every city, state, and country where it has been used. Now, I stumbled onto this magic. You might think of it as magic because I was tired of us hiding behind referrals, target lists, trying to get special credits, trying to get the perfect reel. And so this class is really going to take you the distance from, hey, I've done all these other ways and I hate the way I've reached out or how I felt when I've reached out to managers and agents. And this is going to give you a way to really own the process and show your worth through it. And I promise you, you're going to leave with tons of takeaways. This isn't going to be like bait and switch class. You're going to leave with real training that you can take and put into your own career the same day. And because it's Sam, of course, I've promised to stick around for a Q&A afterwards so that I can answer any questions that are getting in your way from putting it into practice. Because we all know you can learn about shit all day long, but if you don't take action on it, nothing's going to happen. That's why I'll be there for you. And I can't wait to see you there. Oh my gosh. And I'm nervous. Sam's going to be watching me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have some questions too. So guys, go to, to makeagentswantyou.com slash Sam. Sign up there. This is different from Brian's other webinars because this one's going to be live. So he's going to answer all your questions and he's not going to leave a stone unturned. He's going to make sure that you guys get everything you need out of this. And I'm really excited. This is the first thing I've ever done like this. So please, please, please sign up online. We cannot wait to see you. And Brian and I will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you an honest account of actor life, plus a few lessons I learn in the process. And you probably already saw from today's title that I am so excited to bring you another agent episode this season, my commercial agent, Jamie Love. Jamie takes us from production to the fashion business to working in commercials, how and why she went where, and what she's doing now. She recently started her own boutique agency and how that has changed and morphed her job and her day-to-day -day basis. She's also going to talk about the process of submitting talent, how many auditions come in a week versus how many bookings actually happen, and where these auditions are specifically coming from. She also breaks down what makes a good commercial self-tape. I was actually surprised by her answer to this question, and I've been trying to incorporate it into my own auditions ever since. She answers all of the questions from the Patreon team. Hint, hint, if you haven't checked out the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash actress, and it is poppin'. And Jamie also talks about the most important thing in a Zoom meeting with her for potential representation. There's some big takeaways in this one for us, guys. So I suggest you take out a pen and paper because if you have not yet heard Jamie speak in one of the mini clubhouse rooms or Instagram lives or all of the social media pieces that she tries to attend, she has a lot to share with us. So buckle up, get excited, and without further ado, please enjoy my commercial agent, 
Jamie Love. This is another much anticipated episode. I am here with my commercial agent, Jamie Love. Hi, Jamie. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel like we talk about work all the time, but I've never gotten to like, we haven't had this kind of conversation in a while. So I'm excited to sit down and chat with you. We have lots of questions from people. Good. I'm excited to answer them. (laughs) Um, I would love to first talk to you about your background because you started out in the production side of things, if that's correct. And you've kind of moved in and out of agenting. What was it that brought you from production to agenting and how did you land back where you are now? So it's probably about 16 years ago. I always say 16. It sounds like a sweet number. So about 16 years ago, I was, I was, I owned a production company back home in Toronto and I brought it here when, when, um, my ex and I moved out here, my baby dad moved out here. And, uh, so I kept hiring the same talent. I liked this agency a lot that I was working with and I kept hiring their talent for anything that I was producing. And one day they came to me about 16 years ago and they said, we have an agent job. Do you want it? And I was like, hell no, I don't want to work nine to five. Thinking back then, this was a nine to five job. I was like, my first thought was like nine to five. That sounds nice, right? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. And I was like, no way do I want something like that. And they kept persisting. They were every day, come on, work for us, work for us. And six months later, I was like, you know what? My son was two at the time. And it was just getting tiring trying to do the my production. So I was like, all right, let me just try something new. And I took the job. And that was my entry into agenting. And I started out in the fashion division, which was fun. I was doing fashion um, until this very sad, but a girl walked into the office and I hadn't met her before. I'd only seen her pictures as agents usually just see pictures and so forth. And um, she walked in and I was really sad for her. And being a mom, I get, you know, I'm very caring of a person. And Mm -hmm. she looked really, really, really sickly. And I said to her, I said, you know, is everything okay? I think we need to talk about maybe putting some weight on. Well, my boss at the time was like, if I ever hear you say that again, I'm firing you. And this was back in the day where models were required to be very, very skinny. Now we're in a very different world, which is lovely to see. Um, And at that moment, I said to her, you know, I don't think this is the place I need to be. If you have room in the commercial division, move me there. And that's how I got into commercials. Holy cow. Talk about advocating for people from early on. How did you feel empowered at that time to say that to her? Did you realize there was ramifications of what you were saying? I honestly had no idea that I was going to be told I would be fired if I would say that to someone else. You have to understand back in those days, the fashion industry was a lot different than what we're seeing it today. It's, today, we're seeing a lot of real people, a lot of plus, a lot of real. And it's it's so beautiful to see. But back then, it wasn't it wasn't like that. And it was it was interesting. You know, a lot of the girls were getting told. I know it wasn't just happening at the agency I was at, but they were getting told, you know, your nose is too big, you this and that. And so my boss at the time was telling people to go and get plastic surgery. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. So yes, it was, it wasn't the right, I don't know what's happening in fashion anymore. I don't, I don't do that sector of the business, which Mm -hmm. I'm happy about. So I don't know if it still continues. I love real people. I love seeing flaws in people. I think the world likes to see that too, because then it's more relatable, you know, to someone that has flaws because we all do. So. Yeah. That in that shift, I mean, listen, I was, (laughs) I was removed from a set once for being too thick. So I, 
Wow. Yeah. I, I understand the, I wrote about it. I'll, I'll attach it in the show notes if anybody wants to read it. It's, it was tough and it was really hard to come back from that. And that, did you see that shift in the commercial side too? Cause I feel like commercially we've even gone more real people in the past five to 10 years, right? Yes. A hundred percent. I used to, before Lovestone, I worked at fashion agencies the entire time I was an agent. And so we had a lot of the models on our roster and casting did know me for more of the quote unquote, beautiful people of the world. And they still do. We still have a beautiful roster, but I think I've had to diversify myself as an agent as well and bring on more of the real people, the more relatable character people, because I think that that's where our industry is right now. And I think it's wonderful. So it took a shift, I would say, more so through the pandemic, but it was starting pre-pandemic. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to talk about the pandemic and kind of how that, I mean, obviously the whole world changed, right? You were going to an office, people were going in for auditions. We know we're all self-taping now, but in what other ways has your day-to-day life changed since the pandemic hit? I think a lot of agents have left the industry since the pandemic because the rest of the world took a pause. And we did too. We were really lucky. I I call it lucky because we haven't had a break in this. You never really get a break in the industry, but we got a, we got a pause for about three months on the commercial side where there was nothing happening. And so it was really lovely, you know, getting to spend time with family that we never got to do before. And, And it was just, it was nice that three months was absolutely beautiful. And then after those three months, I don't know what happened. People, because people are working from home, everybody thinks that we agents are accessible at all hours of every day on weekends into the night. I get emails at 12 midnight for castings the next day, which is a bummer for you guys because you wake up to a same day audition. So the industry is much faster paced now than it has ever been in 16 years of me being an agent. And I know a lot of agents have left the industry because it's tough. Yeah. How do you manage your day-to-day life as being a mom and being like a functioning member of society, but also being an agent who gets, you know, booking emails at midnight? (laughs) There's good points about my son being away at school right now is that I have the time to just work. So I couldn't imagine doing this the way the industry is right now if my son wasn't away, because it's just, it's, there's a lot of work and it's really hard to balance. Like, when, when the industry came back in the pandemic and he was still here and I was on Zoom meetings and I could hear mom, food, I'm hungry, mom, you know, like screaming every five seconds at me. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? And, and you get pulled as a, as a mom, you get pulled like you want to be there for your, ch- your, ch- your child. I only have one. But then you have to do the best job as an agent. So you're getting pulled in all these directions. And by the end of the day, you're like, all right, I'm going to go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. So <laughs> what do you wish that actors knew, especially actors on your roster? Like, what do you wish they knew to make your life perhaps slightly simpler? There's, that's, a, that's a really tricky question. It's a simple question, but it's tricky because there's so many different answers to that question. So we have some time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, We have actors, I'm going to dive into something that just happened yesterday. For these non-union jobs that are happening, um, the buyouts don't get paid unless the talent make the edit, just like a side commercial works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, actors are every day, when is my payment? When is my payment? And I'm like, you know what, guys, I promise you, we're working to get your payment because if you don't get paid, we don't get paid. So actors have to realize that the way that agencies make money is if the actors make money we're not given money from the skies. Like no one's dropping money into our pockets and saying, here, go run a business. You know, the only way that we make money is if you guys book and we collect the checks. So 
actors have to trust the fact that we're doing our jobs to get them paid and to get us paid. So that's number one. Number two, we're not the ones setting these tight de deadlines. As much as people think we are, we're not. And, you know, I've spoken to many casting directors too, to try and figure out how they're not setting these deadlines to actors or to us for that matter. And, and they have a hierarchy above them, the production company, and then the ad agency. So everybody is working on such a timeline that you have to understand if you don't do it, another actor is going to do it. Yeah. So it takes, you know, we're what, two years and a bit into a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Tate shouldn't be taking five hours to do anymore. I know at the beginning, a lot of actors felt like they were taking so long to do. You guys should have mastered it by now and they should take 20 minutes. Yeah. Cause also, I mean, listen, majority of commercial auditions, half the time, it's just you talking to camera. Like it's, it's like a fancy slate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then beyond that, in terms of your work hours, are there times, and this goes for so many agents, they have hours in which they should be answering email in which they prefer not to be answering email. Do you have kind of like a hard out you like to work with? So I've been actually really trying to schedule my emails to eight o'clock in the morning. I'll, you, don't, you guys don't know that I email all hours of every night of all day. So I've now tried to schedule it so that you guys don't know that I'm sending those emails over my weekends. Cause I don't want it. You know, there's been times where I haven't responded to a talent that's asking me a silly question over a weekend, which we, you know, I mean, you've been on our live Zooms. Mm -hmm. We need the weekends to, you know, have for ourselves and not work. And even though we are working, you guys don't need to know that. So we ask that actors don't email us unless it's an urgent matter after 7 p.m. or on weekends. Yeah. I'm trying to schedule where you're not getting my response until those hours I love a schedule send personally. It's one of my I just, favorites. You didn't know that that existed. I'm very bad with technology and I oh, learned so and now I'm using it all the time. And it's wonderful because I think it's going to train my actors that I'm not responding at five in the morning because I do wake up at five and go to my computer. So yeah. What makes, what makes something urgent? Because there is a lot of actors and I used to be one who was very anxious to reach out to their rep or ask questions about things. I think everyone has their own term of what's urgent. And I, and I, and I want to respect what you guys, you know, what that means to you, but I'm not going to look at headshots on the weekends. That's not an urgent email. Timeframes, urgent, a book out. You know, if, if you can't make an audition that I've sent you those emails, if you haven't got a call sheet, if your COVID test, because we're all in COVID test right now, if that hasn't been scheduled, which we have two today that haven't been scheduled. So those type of things are urgent, but headshots or that you've taken a class or that you want to tell me how great the weather is because we have talent, you know, I mean, unnecessary things mm -hmm. I mean, to you. What is, what, what do you feel has been urgent in your mind that you have to ask your agents about? You know, one that came up just a couple of weeks ago was one where I got an audition and it was about, it was a similar company to a commercial that I have running right now. And I mm -hmm. had to, I had, I texted you because I knew that was the fastest way. And I was like, Hey, recording this tomorrow, does it have conflicts with this? And it was at 6.30 at night. Now I didn't want to text you at 6.30 at night because I don't want to, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm big on like eating dinner, going to bed. Like I'm a big shutting down for the night thing, but I knew I had to, because I had to plan when I was going to record this audition. And you responded back within two minutes. That felt urgent to me in knowing like I needed to either confirm or deny the audition. Yeah. I want, I want to know that you guys are confirmed. So that's urgent for sure. Um conflicts, that's a valid reason to reach out to me because you did have a similar product running. Mm -hmm. That's an urgent question. And 6.30 is not a bad time. 
eight. I'd say for my for my roster, I, my cutoff is eight. That's that's great. That's a great time. I mean, I go to bed at nine. So, <laughs> will you will you kind of take us behind the scenes of what a submitting talent for a commercial, them getting asked to audition, you turning in the tape, the callback, the book, like what does that process look like on your end? So every day casting today, it's actually very slow. I was texting another agent today, but it's super slow. We haven't, there's been like three things to submit on, which is not that bad. So we get breakdowns and we have talent that fill the breakdowns and we submit them. I think that agents that pitch do a lot better in the industry when they're pitching. That's you know my personal opinion. I love to pitch people because I think at the end of the day, we're salespeople. Then we get the audition. We send it to you guys. Um, you guys have all of the information. You guys record it, send it back following every single instruction that's written. Um, which I know, Sam, you've heard us say a million times, you're not going to turn in the right tape unless the instructions are being written to the very last line. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> and then the callback, you know, if, if a talent gets a callback, they're doing something right, which I love. You know, I think that that's, that's your feedback. I know theatrical works a little bit different. You can, you know, get feedback a little bit more easily than you can with a commercial, but our feedback in commercial world is that callback. Once the callback happens, if you get the avail, you've booked the job. You literally have booked the job. Now they're just putting down 20 pictures of 20 different talent and trying to match who they're actually going to give the money to. But you have booked that job. So pat yourself on the back. The money is great, but the knowing that you booked it basically I think is the reward. So um, it's a pretty simple process. It's not rocket science. I never say agenting is. You have to have great talent that turn in amazing tapes. I had, this is a funny story for actors. <laughs> and I was laughing with the casting director. We had a, we had an audition last week. It was a SAG commercial and we had 75 people in for that audition. 75 wow. people. Which is he, that's a huge number of auditions. I said to the casting director, I said, if we don't get at least two bookings, I'm firing my whole roster. <laughs> 75 people from your roster went out for this audition. Mm -hmm. That's a lot, right? That's like an astronomical number. It's a big number. It was a big number. We ended up getting three bookings and a backup booking from it. So it's fantastic, but it was a large number. And I think that actors don't understand how many auditions we agents are getting for our roster every single day. And then it equates to how many bookings we're getting. What is that number? If you could ballpark it. What does that maybe look like? A day? Yeah. We usually have about three to four pages of auditions a day, three to four, maybe five auditions a day. Um, so each uh, each page, I think you can put 50 to a page. So that's the number. We have a lot of auditions a day. That's a lot. So 150, 200 auditions a day. Mm-hmm. And we have a small roster. And then you're getting, I mean, you see our Instagram. So we're getting anywhere from five, six, seven bookings a week. So, you know, it's one to two a day. Yeah. If we're lucky, we get one to two a day. Yeah. Wow. I think, okay. All actors need to like take this in because that's the numbers that we're working with. And that's why a callback has to be the victory and an avail or a pin or something has to be the booking. That is so accurate. Yeah. It's, it's a tough world. And, and I think, and I, oh, I say this so many times and you hear me saying it, if you guys miss a casting, 
you don't want this as your, as your industry, like find another industry because it's so difficult to get that audition and that callback that people are fighting for it. They're fighting for those things. And just do your best, like hand in the best of the best of the best tapes. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about casting networks and tapes. So casting networks, you know, imploded last year and <laughs> was absolutely least. awful. And, uh, and it, it, you know, it's fixed itself up quite a bit. We've, we've gone pretty far, uh, maybe on my end. And um, now we can confirm and deny without having to turn in a tape, all of those, you know, save you a text message. Uh, if anybody's listening and didn't know, like last year when casting networks did their quote unquote, like rebrand, uh, there, you could only confirm an audition when you had the tape ready. And that was absolutely a clusterfuck on your end. I believe <laughs> based on the emails. <laughs> The multiple emails going out every day. Yes, that was. God, I felt I felt so bad for you guys. Um, so when we get auditions, so would you say that like ninety percent of the auditions you send and receive are from casting networks, or is Casting Frontier also a big one? Like, what where do they mostly live? Casting networks has the most amount of um, casting directors hosting their projects. There, Casting Frontier, I think, has about six or seven. Um, so the majority come from casting networks. The one positive thing from casting networks debacle that they did last year was that I get to view everyone's tapes super easy. And I love it. I love watching. That's my movies at night. I go back after my day's done and I sit in front of my computer and I watch everyone's self tapes. And it's fun for me before I'd have to download them. You don't understand how many times my computer crashed during the pandemic because I had so many downloaded tapes, but I don't have to do that so it's wonderful. Oh, okay. So, so I don't think I knew this. So when we turn in our tapes to casting networks, it's like submit your tape to casting. I know for a fact, when I submit to actors access, for example, like breakdown services, I, it goes to an agent first and then the agent submits it. So I always assume that my agent watches it, but I didn't know that you guys always have access to all of the tapes that we turn in as well on casting networks. Yep. I see every single one of them. Do you watch them all? I do. Cool. What stands out to you as a good tape? The slates. Talk to me about that. What is that? Yeah. What do you mean? So a slate is everything. Um, casting directors are seeing anywhere from, let's say, 30 to 500 tapes per audition. Mm -hmm. If your slate isn't standing out, they're not moving forward to your tape. Yeah, because commercially, we typically, like, unless otherwise specified, we always put the slate up front. Yeah. 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 So your slate bring something new to that slate. It's so, slates are difficult. I get it. If I were an actor and you're standing there and you're trying to just say your name and that say, I mean, some, uh, some casting directors, it's all they want is your name. And how do you make that interesting? It's your name and you're just standing there in front of a camera. So <laughs> I don't know. I always say I have one talent who does the best slate ever. I just like, he makes me happy every time I watch his tapes because he jumps into frame. He like leaps into frame and he, and he does this with his hands. You can't see me because this is voice, but he like raises his hands and he just announces his name in a fun, not announces, he says his name in a really fun, loving manner where you're like, oh my God, I love this guy. I need to watch the rest of his tapes. It makes yeah. me happy. Like even talking about it, it makes me happy. So bring something that. to your slate. I also want to specify to an actor who's listening, who's like, okay, from now on, I'm going to jump into frame when I start a commercial audition. That's something that's specific to that actor because that must be his energy. Is that right? A hundred percent. Yes. Please don't yeah. do that. Every actor that's listening um, because the <laughs> casting directors are going to kill me. <laughs> don't do that. Bring something that 
you know, if you're more of a stoic person, bring that to your tape. I have another actor who's really got this like sexy voice about him. So his slate is always, hi, my name is, and he'll do that, you know, and it's, it's his thing. And so bring your own thing. Who are you? Bring that to a slate. Make the casting director want to watch the rest of your tape. Oh, this is so great because I don't think we hear often enough about people being themselves in commercial auditions because they, I think we think too hard about it, right? Like we're always told like, you're just going to be a version of yourself when you book theatrical and you know, whatever. But in terms of commercial, it's also that it's just like sometimes a shiny penny version of that. Shiny penny. I like that. I always say with commercials, it's just, you have to be able to sell a product. So how is someone going to believe you that you're capable of selling that product? Think about that every time you tape a commercial. Do you think about that when you sit down to meet new talent? Yes. Yeah. It's been hard during the pandemic because when um, I was meeting talent in person, it was a lot easier for me to tell if that person had the thing now that I see everyone on, on camera, it's good. There's positives because I can see how well they, you know, I do all my meetings now in zoom. So I can see, um, how they look like on camera, but I don't, I don't see that thing that I see. It's like a light that shines above talent. And I love that light. I love when someone walks in a room and I can see it. And I think that a lot of talent, I know I have a handful of talent that haven't booked during the pandemic, which is two years with zero bookings. And they used to be some of my biggest bookers. And it's because the casting doesn't see the light in their tapes. They bring it in the room. So I'm hoping that a few things go back in the room so that these talents start booking or they can find their light on tape. I'm not sure we've gone over it a million times. I don't know how to get them to book because their tapes aren't bad. It's just, they have that special thing that people want to look at or people want to see in person. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe when someone just can come through camera. Mm-hmm. Is there any way that you could put into words like what pops for you in a meeting? In a meeting on Zoom, I just think presence. I think that someone that is 100% present with me and you can tell their eagerness. You can tell that this is like their their love of life. Like Commercials isn't everyone's love. You don't come to LA to be a commercial actor. You come to LA, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying, you know, the majority of people come to LA, they want to be in TV and film. And a lot of people, I always say, use commercials as your livelihood to support your passion in life. But the people that come and say, I love commercials, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. fun with it. They they just, they love doing it. Think of it as easy work. If you think of it as easy work and you think of it as not a necessity, then you'll book the jobs. It, it's, it's hard to describe, I feel like, commercials because they're so nuanced and each one is so, so different. But I think there's something special about it because when you're doing theatrical bookings, it almost feels like you have to you have to just like scrape and earn and push so hard to get the next thing. Whereas commercials, you could, you could book one tomorrow. You just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. Like that's like, I feel like the magic of the commercial spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I understand talent, you know, they could turn in, I mean, how many tapes can people turn in in a week? A lot. If you're, you know, and no bookings come. So it can be a defeat as well, but don't let this industry defeat you because it's, have fun with those tapes. Every single tape that you do, just have fun with it. Yeah. 
and just turn it away and leave it. And that's it. And, and go do your other things. Mm. How, what do you say to your actors who haven't perhaps booked in the last two years or having a dry spell or something like that? Because actors, we tend to get really internal and where there is a scarcity mentality and then we, it becomes a fear that we're going to get dropped or something like that. What, what do you say to them? I always ask, are you still having fun doing it? And then if they say no, then I say, take a break, take a little break from the tapes because I, the, no one has been in this era of commercials. No one. We've never been here before. No one has ever had to film a self-tape for commercials. Not in the 16 years I've been agenting have we had to do self-tapes for commercials. So it's a very, very strange, difficult, hard world that everyone entered. And if you're not having fun doing it, take a break from it because you won't book if you're stressed about it, if it's not fun anymore. So that's my first conversation with people. I'm not going anywhere. They can continue being with me, but mm -hmm. I need them to just, even if it's a day or two days or a week or a month, just take a break and then come back refreshed. So nice to know that that's something that you have openness for people to do. Of course, of course, because I think if you don't, they're not going to have the success that they want or the success that I need them to have. So, you know, and, and again, Every tape that you guys do, every tape that you do commercially is just a, a, a lesson or a learning path to the next one. It's not, never think of it as the end, the, the last tape and don't do a million tapes for commercials because the million tape, the millionth time you've done it is the worst one you've taped. The first one is always the best. Trust me on that one. Just do one take or two takes, you know, your first two takes and then call mm -hmm. it a day and go about your, the rest of your day. Don't do a million. You don't get a million takes inside a casting room. Don't do a million takes at your house. It lights me up inside knowing that you also watch them because then I feel no matter what, I'm like, someone's going to get fun out of this. Like that's love. It's, it's my entertainment. I'm telling you, it's my TV shows. I, because it's been so busy, I hardly get to watch TV anymore. Um, so I, I watch self tapes. <laughs> I know I sound really lame right now. But. Uh, no, every actor who listens to this loves watching self-tapes. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Let's talk a little bit about following directions in a self-tape because I know we all get every single tape you get has a different litany of directions. And oftentimes in casting networks, you need to click on the thing and you need to read the paragraph and then you need to click on the link and read the sides. And then you need to like double check that you named it right. And all of that good stuff. What, what is, is I, obviously we need to do them, but what is the, tell, let's talk about the purpose of following every direction and why they're all so different. It would be really nice if casting directors um, would stick to one direction for every commercial that there were out there, because then it would just be easier. And I think that they would have more success with, with the actors turning in tapes, because we have found that actors, I, I mean, you went through two years with us on Zoom meetings, mm -hmm. saying, why aren't you guys reading? Why aren't you guys reading? Why aren't you? So it was, I sounded like a broken record for the last two years. It's, but they don't. So each casting director puts out their very specific instructions. And if you don't follow them, myself and casting believe that you haven't followed the rules. So they're going to delete your tape. They're not even going to watch your tape. So it's super duper important that you follow. I don't know, you know, I think it might come from the production company of what they want to see. Mm -hmm. um, casting directors don't make up the blurbs. It's they're given the storyboard, they're given the sides, they're given what the client wants to see and they just upload it to the casting site. So 
it's tough. It's it's tough because there's just a lot thrown at you guys. And I and I understand some of these some of these directions I've read and I'm like, I have no idea what they're asking. Like even I can admit I there's some that I've read and I'm like, uh, hold on, I'm gonna call a casting director because I get it. Like I don't I understand why you're asking me that because I don't understand what they're trying to ask you. So if you if there's ever a point where one of my actors doesn't understand the sides, please just call me because there, there are, there have been times where I don't understand them either. <laughs> there, it's a lot of jumbled stuff and it's, uh, yeah, interesting. Commercials are interesting. It's an interesting game. And, you know, it's very different now because when you guys were going in, in person, you'd have the camera guy, he'd explain to you and you just do it. Yeah. And now there's so many details and, you know, so. Yeah. And it's like the, the angle and you know what I love? I love when they send a video and it's exactly what you'd see when you go in the room for a demo. I love 10 out of 10. Love when they do that. I'm like, oh, I'll just do exactly that. And it works. So we asked, so we, I was on a Zoom with a bunch of um, casting directors a few weeks ago. And we were asking that, like, why doesn't every casting director just do that? Because then it makes it easier for the, you know, there are three or four casting directors that do, and it makes it easy for the actors because you see exactly what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. And the other casting directors that don't do it, they said, we don't do it because what happens is the actors will turn in tapes doing exactly what we've done. There will be zero creativity. There'll be zero of themselves in that video. They'll just mimic whatever we put on tape. So we're, we stop doing it. And it makes sense because the casting director's telling you what to do, you're doing it, and then you turn the tape in. So can you imagine as a casting director getting 300 of the exact same tapes? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that's that was a reason that they said, the ones that were talking about that, that they don't do that. But Interesting. I, like, I just, it should be bring your own feel to it or something. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's that middle ground where it's like, okay, they want the camera at this level, they want like something in frame, and that's it. Okay, great. I can do that, but like with my jazz. But it's that's a level of comfort from having done this on and off for like eight to 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny that I call them the newbies, but the new people in the world of acting, commercial acting, I feel they're doing a better job than the veterans. I, I bet because this is all they know, right? It's all they know. They read, they cross their T's, they dot their I's and they just do it. Um, whereas the veterans have never been in this industry like in this you know before and they're like ah self-tapes editing producing directing and they just they don't they haven't mastered it yet what I do have to say and I was having a conversation with my one of my actors yesterday about it um in the beginning of the pandemic a lot of this stuff was we need you to edit direct make it cool do different you know takes inside and edit it all together and they were creating commercials at the beginning and that's you know I don't think that's really needed anymore I think we're back to Let's just bring ourselves to that tape as opposed to how well we edit. Yeah. Now when actors mention editing to me, I'm like, what'd you edit? Okay. So I, I also want to ask though, for our actors who are not commercially repped, sometimes they can feel out of the ball game, not really knowing what to do because it's just self submits on, uh, on the websites. What would you say makes a good package for a commercial agent? Because some actors have commercial reels. Some are like, should I send a resume with my commercials in it to potentially a commercial agent? What makes a good package for you? First and foremost, when someone's submitting to me, um, I want them to spell my name correctly. (laughs) I know it's funny, but it's not funny. I mean, I think 
know that I'm a girl because you've done my, the research and gone to my website and done the research on who we are as an agency and not just blanketed email to every agent in the city that you're actually doing your research. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, I think keeping it very sweet and short is the one thing that we agents want because some people send us novels and we don't have the time for novels. I will, and sadly I'll delete them and I could be missing a very good talent, but I don't have time for that. So we ask talent to submit on our website and if talent are submitting any other way, I'll probably delete it because they haven't followed those instructions. And I think if talent don't follow the instructions right off the bat, then I fear that they're not gonna follow instructions moving forward with auditions. One to two amazing headshots. I always suggest for commercials to send in an Instagram link. Mm, uh, it gives us a little extra feel of who you are because we're not meeting you in person anymore. So it gives me a feeling to the person's life and more selfies where I can see a realness to them as opposed to a cookie cutter headshot. But that's it. I mean, and, and if you're emailing and I don't get back to you, you can email once more, but don't email three, four or five times because it means that I'm not interested in it. And I would love to get back to everybody's emails, but I don't have time for that. So yeah. In terms of the commercial reel, I feel like I see occasionally, does that matter? Do you watch them? Does anyone need one? Commercial reels are tough. Um, Allie was on Clubhouse with us the other night and she was also saying the same thing that we've said. And I think I learned it from her and Ross. Will you tell people who that is? Who you're talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Allison Horn from Allison Horn um, Casting and Ross Lacey from Ross Lacey Casting. Um, they had done pre-pandemic um, an agent Q&A, which was fantastic because it was the first time that I've ever been to an, a casting director Q&A with agents sitting in the audience. There was 10 of us there and we got to ask them everything. And they basically said, don't list your commercials. Don't do a commercial reel. And if you're going to do a commercial reel, make sure that the product is edited out of the commercial reel. So a commercial reel is good as long as the product isn't in it. I don't really care for a commercial reel. It's not something that I need my actors to have necessarily. Um, I do want to see, are we, when a new actor sends their stuff to us and I have interest in them, I'll send them a commercial to put on tape for me. And that's how I get to see them. So I have everyone audition for me through a commercial tape, and then we make our decision after that. Great. Okay, great. And if actors have headshots that they like, they're pretty good. Would you prefer they just send those headshots instead of getting new ones because you might ask them to get new ones later? Yeah, don't get new headshots until you've signed with an agent and that agent will say your headshots are fantastic or we need to get new ones based on the climate, whatever people are liking in the headshot world today. But um, yeah, don't get new headshots until you sign with an agency. Yeah. What are you seeing in headshots right now? Is there a trend or anything like that? I like something a little, I use the word cookie cutter again, but I like something a little less cookie cutter, mm -hmm. um, more real, real. There's that word again. I like real. If you look at the headshots that are working, they're more, they're less stylized. And that's just me. That's not every, I know agents out there that stick with the colored background and the very smiley face and, you know, traditional mm -hmm. on headshots. That's not for me. I don't, I don't personally vibe with those I would say more of a lifestyle shot than a headshot yeah I feel like the headshots of print and the headshots of commercial have kind of merged they really have yeah great glad we're on the same page <laughs> <laughs> 
I would love to take with our uh, last about 10 minutes here. I'd love to take some questions from the Patreon that I have for you. Um, One of them, I think we've already answered kind of in what we just talked about, but it was the certain trends in commercial right now. So the trend towards real people, less quote unquote aspirational. Would you say that's correct? Yes. Great. Very much so. I think that character actors, I think that real people, I think just bringing that realness to the, to the game and, and not wanting to be something you're not. It's kind of a relief to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've often heard the advice, don't join SAG until you have to. I personally get very few SAG commercials being SAG-E and I wonder if it's common for when you're eligible but not union to get less SAG commercial auditions. How does the union play into your submission process? SAG eligible is the best place to be because then you can still do all the good non-union stuff and you can do all the SAG stuff, but it's not being SAG eligible is not going to deter you from getting those SAG auditions. Talent have to understand that SAG auditions are like winning a lottery. Mm -hmm. So, and I say this, you've heard me say it a million times. They really are like winning a lottery. You're up against series, regular actors, feature film actors, a list actors. If you look at commercials now a days, there are major celebrities in those commercials. I just shared a, a deadline article onto my story and it was like Scarlett Johansson, Idris Elba, da, 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 all headlining the Super Bowl commercials. And I was like, there it is. Yes. It started about three years ago, three or four years ago. The trend for Super Bowl was having a celebrity in a commercial. Zendaya, we booked the Squarespace, Zendaya's in it. I mean, every Super Bowl commercial this year, I guarantee we'll have a celebrity in it. So back in the day, it was it was um, fr- kind of frowned upon if you were an actor, actor doing a commercial, it was more like the actors who don't have a career anymore or that are trying to get the career, but you were frowned upon if you were a commercial actor back in the day and now with major celebrities. So to get a SAG commercial and you're up against those actors, it's tough. And when you're doing an, you know, a Hey Joe or that's it's the app, the Hey Joe or a Zoom audition, they're seeing maybe 60 people per role and they're getting 5,000 submissions. That's insane to just think about. Yes. I I mean, I just have to reflect because I booked one commercial last year and I was like, this is amazing. But I didn't even think about how amazing Mm -hmm. it actually was. To book a side commercial is an amazing goal for someone because I'm, I'm telling you, it's tough to book. It's really, really tough to book. So for the SAG E actors, it, it's you're getting submitted. It's just very tough to get the auditions. And where you are as a SAG eligible actor is not a bad spot because you still get. You have to make sure that your agent is submitting you for the good non union stuff and not, you know. I'd say it's about a 70, 70 split of non union versus union and seventy being non union. But out of those, I would say forty percent are worthy of submitting on. Mm-hmm. So as long as your agent submitting you to the worthy forty percent of those seventy, then you're fine doing the non-unions fine if you're you know mm-hmm. just yeah. the non-compete non-unions you don't want to do anything non-compete or something that's going to live in perpetuity so yeah and if if those numbers if you're a member of SAG and those numbers upset you I highly suggest you go online and you do join the ads go union uh commercial meetings that we're having at SAG right now um uh, okay has the has moving virtual affect the number of actors getting called in for roles on commercials has the virtual move changed the frequency of callbacks as well I think that, so there's a split, there's a split to that. I think for the Hey Joe and Zooms, less people are getting auditions for the SAG stuff because they just can't get through that many actors. For self-tapes, there's a lot of self-tapes um, being submitted for the auditions. Um, 
So it is tougher to, to book that callback because so many people are getting self-tapes and to book the jobs. Yeah, it's, it's tough that the pandemic or this virtual stuff has made it difficult for actors. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do you feel like people are seeing more actors per role though, because they can for that kind of thing for self-tapes in general? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in person, <clears throat> if a, if, the casting directors, not now because they have to space the actors because of the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, they were seeing, let's say, 100 actors in person or 200 actors in person. Now they can see 500 tapes. Yeah. They might not even get through all those 500 tapes. So I always say, and you've heard me say this a million times, if you get an audition, turn your tape in early. That doesn't mean rush your tape. That means turn it in early. And the reason is, is that that casting director is sending tapes as they come in to production. If production's seeing a tape that they like, they're not going to look at the rest of the tapes. Yeah. So you're waiting to the deadline to turn in your commercial tape. Good luck booking the job. And that's not to say that casting isn't going to watch your tape. It's going to say that production found their people first. That's a different story. Because I feel like there's a lot of people on social media and things like that asking like, does casting watch tapes? Yeah, they do. But if production picks their people at a quicker pace, production's not going to, they're done. Yeah. Cassie's not going to request a tape from you and then not watch it. So they're going to watch the tapes. Yes. Yes. I don't know why that question keeps floating around. I'm like, guys, I think the issue with WeTransfer as well, because a lot of tapes were being sent through WeTransfer before the, um, some, some casting directors still request WeTransfer, but for the most part, they're done through the site. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of towns were like, oh, my tape hasn't been watched. It hasn't been downloaded, but I downloaded their tape. So if they're noticing that it hasn't been downloaded, I think that's a wee transfer. Yes. A casting director actually reached out to me and talked to me about that at one point. And it was because if you click the link instead of click the button, it doesn't show that it's been downloaded because you clicked on a separate thing than the button itself. I'll have to go back and look at it, but it was, it's some tiny nuance that will show you a zero views, but it's, it's gotten, it's gotten the views. (laughs) Uh, okay. The last question we have here is any commercial classes or coaches that you would recommend? And then any stories, we'll take that as a second question. So first question, any classes or coaches that you would recommend? So I always recommend if a casting director is doing a commercial class, take their class. So Allie Horn from Allison Horn, Ross Lacey, they do a commercial class. ASG does a fantastic class. Danielle Eskenazi does one. Um, Lisa from... HMH casting does one. Um, and then Killian's of course is amazing. Mm-hmm. Kane is amazing. Hey, I saw your commercial is great for the newbie actors. Um, I love Mike from there. Uh, Kaz, I send everyone to line runner if they want to do a line runner does a very good slate class. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. She's, she's fantastic. And she's an actress. So she's, and she's booked a million side commercials. So she obviously knows what she's doing. So those are some classes that I, those are the classes I recommend here. Okay, great. Cool. And we'll link those in the show notes for anyone listening. And then our last question is, do you have any stories of people of their helping clients refine a new look or transition to a new category? Um, it's interesting because Stacy from Best Stein, mm-hmm sign yeah Uh, she she helps a lot of actors um with their looks right now and and I had she had sent someone to me last year and she just was another beautiful dark-haired girl and I at the time didn't need anyone like that because I was overfilled and she told the girl cut your hair off the girl shaved her head off and I just signed her because she's so cute so if you feel like you're saturated in in a you know in an area change your look if you feel like you know you're in 
20 to 30 brown, long hair, mm-hmm. change it up. I wouldn't go blonde at this moment, but maybe do a nice chop. Maybe do, you know, I had a talent, just do a perm. So just change it up if you feel it's stagnant and not working. I love to help people do that. Again, I used to be on the production casting development side of things. So I love that personally. And yeah. I love being stylist. If I have time, talent will send me, does this outfit look good for this audition? I'm like, yes, I love doing stuff. Like not all the time talent, but uh, yeah, well, buckle up and <laughs> hold on guys. <laughs> Sometimes I will help you. But do you feel like it has to match their essence though? Cause I feel, cause like, listen, I was an early victim of dyeing my hair 17 different colors to try and like up my booking ratio. At the end of the day, it didn't work. Where's the line? <laughs> I think you have to be true to yourself. You know, I think that if you feel like you could be a redhead and you have that spunk that you feel like redheads kind of have dye your hair red. I love redheads. I think it's great right now in the industry. It's, but be a true to self kind of person. Like if I could never dye my hair blonde and be a blonde person, like it just wouldn't, I, I just, I didn't, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. Cause I'm, you know, blonde have more fun that saying, I don't have that much fun. So I just don't think <laughs> I'm <gonna> get blonde. <laughs> I don't have that. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Um, (laughs) Imagine myself as a blonde, you know? So I think you just have to stay true to self, but have fun. We only live once and hair grows back, you know? I wouldn't do alterations here, though. Yeah, careful with your face, right? (laughs) (laughs) So before we go, I know people are going to ask and they are going to want to submit after hearing this with you. Are you accepting new talent at this time? I am looking at every submission that comes in. And if someone sparks my attention, I will definitely reach out to you, but I'm not actively looking for new talent because we are quite full. Great. And if you don't follow the instructions on the website and spell her name correctly, it's not going (laughs) to work out. (laughs) Any, any parting thoughts you want to leave actors with anything you wish you knew, anything you wish you could tell the masses? I just say we're in it. We're in an industry where you guys all need to have fun doing it. There's a lot of money to be made in this industry. And if, you know, but you're not going to make the money if the fun isn't there. And when that fun dies, change it up and then come back. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This was so helpful. Of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs>